DKS 15 is powered by Meme Global, a video marketing and advertising solution for entrepreneurs. Hello and welcome to the Digital Kung Fu Show, a podcast and video cast for startup founders and entrepreneurs. Even if you're alone in your entrepreneurial journey, know that right now in your earbuds, you are joined by thousands of entrepreneurs across the world hustling today's markets. At Digital Kung Fu, we have one goal, to help entrepreneurs succeed in their ventures through information sharing, digitally connecting them with other entrepreneurs, and by dissecting and deconstructing the world's leading business minds right here on this show. Remember, you can view the full show notes on our website at digitalkungfu.co. .za or tweet this show using our handle at digital kung fu za or follow us on facebook.com slash digital kung fu za Saatchi and Saatchi is the most recognized name in global advertising. Our guest today is Mike Abel. He is the CEO of MNC Saatchi Abel South Africa. He is probably one of the most recognized names in advertising, not just in Africa, but even internationally recognized as well. In today's episode, we explore the MNC Saatchi Able story from startup to agency of the year in five years. It really is an incredible journey and we'll explore at length all the challenges that he faced and many of which are very applicable to anyone who's either a startup founder or entrepreneur. So without further ado, I'll introduce you to the man himself, Mike Abel. Let's get on with the show. So welcome back to another cracking edition of the Digital Kung Fu Show. My name is Matt Brown, and in today's show, we are going to explore an incredible entrepreneurial journey, which we'll call the MNC Saatchi Abel story from startup to agency of the year in five years. Our guest today is the chief executive partner and co-founder of MNC Saatchi Abel South Africa, and he is also the former CEO of MNC Saatchi Australia, one of the most recognized, awarded, and established agencies in the Asia-Pac region. And it is also credited with successfully navigating and growing the agency, I should say our guest is credited, get it right, <laughs> uh, of growing the agency through a global financial crisis back in 2009, which we'll touch on uh, a bit later. It was against this backdrop and success that Moray McLennan, the worldwide CEO of the most prestigious name in advertising, MNC Saatchi, asked him to establish the agency on the South African continent or the African continent. And this is where our story really begins. Enter Mike Abel. Mike, thank you for your time today. It's great to have you in the hot seat. Thanks, Matt. Great to be on the show. Cool, man. Look, well, let's um, kick things off by taking, or you taking us back to the 1st of February 2010, the first day of MNC Saatchi Abel's life, effectively a startup. And at the time, you had no clients, no revenue. The world of startups is a great place. <laughs> but what did you, I think um, you had a big dream for the company. And I believe if memory serves, you gave a sermon to your 12 staff at the time <laughs> on the first day of business. So can you fill us in on what you said to them? Yeah. So, um, you know, when you look back on things in time and you, I look back on that first day now, part of me thinks, were you insane? Uh, so I must, uh, I must, uh, put that out there. Um, but on that first day when we walked into the premises and it was empty and there was no furniture and we had no revenue, uh, myself, um, and uh, a number of people I'd worked with before in, in my former life before I went to Australia and, uh, and then a whole lot of newbies, uh, some of them graduates, fresh, fresh faced and, uh, into their first job and also, um, 
uh, taking a big risk because they were offered jobs at established agencies out there, and they chose to go with uh, with a startup, which is uh, which is very exciting. Um, and so what um, happened was, um, I said to the guys, our plan is a fi- within five years we need to be the most sought after agency in South Africa. That is our measure. Um, and how we are going to get there is to be able to provide clients with meaningful solutions that will grow their top line and their market share. That is our sole focus. It wasn't about creative awards. It wasn't about anything other than offering our clients business growth through our solutions and being measured against it. Mm-hmm. Okay, awesome. Well, look, um, one of the things that really stands out for me in terms of your uh, when you observe your entrepreneurial journey is your character, right, as a businessman and an entrepreneur. And the one thing that jumps to me is a quote that you gave to your global partners where you said, if you give us sufficient funds to build an international airport, we'll be able to land A380s. It will be costly, but it will work. And that, for me, really demonstrates a kind of a deep belief and confidence that you will succeed at whatever you do. Um, so, obviously, doubt is a thing that is a common, you know, uh, element of, a, of an entrepreneur's sort of general mindset. So, did you have any moments of doubt in the embryonic stages of founding MNC, Saatchi, and Abel? And is there any advice that you have for entrepreneurs in terms of overcoming moments of doubt in business? Yeah. So... Self-belief is obviously essential and not for a moment, not even in my darkest moments did I ever have any doubt that MNC Saatchi Abel would succeed uh, because I fundamentally believed in the people, um, the people that um, that I'd hired, the people I'd surrounded myself with as partners. Um, and there are moments of affirmation, continuous moments of affirmation that happen uh, along that journey where you look at this and you look at that and uh, and you see that the, the universe is conspiring to help you. <laughs> uh, funny enough, the business came from people that I didn't anticipate or didn't even know uh, at the time. So the people that I thought may have given us business um, were nowhere to be seen when we opened our doors. And the people that had, want, had knew me, uh, knew our reputation, knew some of my partners who had wanted to work with us previously but couldn't for conflict purposes or because maybe our previous company was too big, um, suddenly phoned up. Um, there are many moments, obviously, for the, the most important thing is is to have that runway, though. So if one extends the airport analogy of landing A380s, you also do need that, that financial runway. And so when I spoke to Morris uh, Saatchi and Murray McLennan and David Kershaw and the guys that were behind starting the agency in South Africa from London, they very much understood that I wanted to be unfettered by financial constraints Mm. in starting the company and cash flow is imperative. Mm. Because a lot of people have got great ideas, but unless you've got the cash flow to sustain the business and to fulfill on that dream, you can find yourself uh, falling short. Mm. So the investment was in place to give me, um, I guess, that space and my partners, the space to think, to dream, and then to fulfill irrespective of the amount of time that it took to do that. Thanks for that, Mike. That's really great advice. Um, Let's talk about culture. So culture in business is a critical success factor. And in my experience, the influence of culture increases in direct proportion to the degree of competition in the market. And And the reality at the time was that there was incredibly stiff competition in the market from established players like Ogilvy and the other big names that you would associate with big brand advertising. So how did you go about 
fostering and creating a culture that despite all the odds, took on the biggest players and won. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Hey there, I know being an entrepreneur can be a very lonely experience. You sometimes get stuck, don't you? Well, if you're like me, being stuck sucks. But what if you could access the minds of over 850 CEOs who have built companies generating billions of dollars in revenue and access all of that knowledge in a fraction of a second? Well, the good news is you can literally do that today. What my team have built is Matt Brown AI. It is trained on all the interviews, over 850 of them that I've done to date, all my books, all the knowledge capital that has been generated over the last 10 years right here on the Matt Brown Show. And you can get access to all of that right now for free. So how do you get access to this? Well, head on over to mattbrownshow.com and at the top you'll see community. Hit that link, sign up, it's absolutely free and you'll be given instant access to Matt Brown AI and a community of over 100,000 subscribers. I've had one quote on my wall uh, my entire career, pretty much, um, and it's by a guy called Jerry Welsh. I'll try and aim, angle the camera so that you can maybe see it behind me there for a moment. And it says, the people with the best people win. So irrespective of where I've worked, um, I, have, uh, I have taken that with me. And so um, I think if you have the best people, you'll have the best agency. It's mm. as simple as that. So um, scale, an agency is a great agency only because of the people that work in it at any point in time, not because of the brand name, not because of the shingle that hangs on the door. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, if I was fantastic or my team were fantastic at our, uh, you know, um, when we worked at, uh, at our different agencies, well, then we'd be fantastic working in our agency. Uh, so... Um, it's very interesting because a client, a potential client, a piece of business was out to pitch and we hadn't been invited to pitch for it. Mm-hmm. And I phoned up this client and I said, I believe your account is out to pitch. How come you haven't um, invited us? And she said, because you guys are brand new. So I said, uh, brand new as an agency or brand new in our careers? So she said, well, I, I know you're good, Mike, and I know some of your people are, but how good is the agency? And I said, well, the agency is an inanimate object. Um, <laughs> it's a ridiculous question. Yeah. The agency is as good as the people that work here, and we've got amazing people, so give us a chance. Yeah. And she said to me, I'll tell you what, if you guys are successful, if you do grow a, a good agency, then give me a shout in a couple of years, and I'd love to work with you. And I said to her, well, if every single person says that to me, we will have no clients, and we will not succeed. Mm-hmm. So give us a chance. And she didn't give us a chance. <laughs> Bitch. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yes, what else do you call that? I mean, geez, yeah. talk about imploring. Yeah, sure. <clears throat> cool. So, this is somebody, funny enough, that I'd helped uh, enormously in their personal career. On top of that. Uh, geez. You know, and it's funny because, you know, until I opened my own agency, I'd never really understood the term of no good deed will go unpunished. Yeah. I didn't really know what that meant, yeah. but that was a fine example of that. Yeah, I can, I totally agree with you 100%. Um, speaking of this whole, um, I think what we're addressing here is credibility in the marketplace, right? At the time when you're a startup. Um, yeah. so how do you, how did you eventually tackle that credibility curve? 
Um, yep. And what advice would you give to startups and entrepreneurs looking to say establish credibility in a new category or market? Okay, so um, you know, firstly, they say you know there there may be a, mar- a gap in the market, but is there a market in the gap? And I think that you know people that try to start companies because they believe that there is a gap in the market really do need to look very carefully at how they are going to um, create meaningful space for themselves. And is that lucrative space? Is it just space or is is it commercially viable? Mm -hmm. I think a lot of people have uncommercially viable dreams. For us, we knew that it was wide open in the South African marketplace for a new entrant. I mean, people thought I was crazy. If you go back and you read all of the uh, awful comments that people uh, wrote um, on the various blogs when they announced uh, that we were opening, uh, you can see that people predicted our demise. Why we knew we would be successful is because we had a great offer. We knew that we had an innate and fundamental ability to be able to grow our clients' business through very compelling and fresh solutions mm-hmm. because we are smart business people in the advertising industry. Mm-hmm. So obviously um, um, our focus is around brilliant and imaginative work mm-hmm. that works and, and around powerful and big ideas. But these are commercially powerful ideas. They're not big ideas in and of themselves where they go out to seek to win uh, an award ahead of uh, getting the cash register to ring. Mm-hmm. So um, I think you need to look at your, at your level of usefulness. How useful will your company be? If clients find you being useful, if in a downturned economy they think they could get a more robust solution from you, in growing their business, why wouldn't they gravitate towards us? So we were perfectly suited to the times. Mm. Um, you know, we, we did a presentation to a client, uh, a potential client, a pitch in the early days, and I spoke about being able to grow their market share and their top line. And this client said to me, and, and I kid you not, um, as they say today, hashtag you can't write this stuff. Uh, she said to me, uh, but what if we don't want to grow? <laughs> <laughs> you know, and so so for those clients that don't want to grow, um, I guess we're not the right agency for them. Uh, but but for if you want to start your agency, the most critical thing you have to do is is how do you establish your reputation? How do you get known for something? Mm-hmm. If you you know, as a company, where do you want to dominate? Where do you want to differentiate? And where do you want to compete? And we were very clear about where we wanted to dominate. Mm-hmm. And it never came to start a boutique agency. I also want to say that. So yeah. a lot of small agencies and a lot of the boutique guys. Uh, and funny enough, I was a mentor to a lot of the, those guys that had smaller agencies, two agencies in particular. Mm-hmm. I offered mentorship to their, to their CEOs while I was trying to start You're an competition. But, but our game was always to start to be the next big game in town, not mm-hmm. to be a boutique. Yeah, no, I understand that. Yeah, cool. Uh, this this whole concept of talent when you're starting out and how do you attract the best talent? Yeah, taking the quote off your wall, right? Like the yeah. companies with the best people will win at the end of the day. Yeah. How how do you go about attracting the right talent? Uh, and for example, also go about building the right executive team. Yeah, uh, in, you know, in terms of startups, or maybe you can give us some insights in terms of how you did it for MNC Saatchi Enable. Sure. So very simplistically. Um, we look at hiring people with three words. Do we like them? Do we know them? Do we trust them? That is the filter that we look at. And if we don't know them, do we like them? Do we trust them? Which is uh, critical. Before we ask the question, do they have the requisite skill to do a, a fantastic job? 
uh, because it's all about chemistry and, and you can only achieve stuff with people that you, um, that you uh, kind of have aligned ambition with, mm-hmm. both orally and, and commercially. So um, I was able to attract uh, great talent, I guess, because of my reputation in the marketplace. Uh, when I opened MNC Saatchi Abel, I was 41 years old. Uh, I wasn't a baby. Um, I had co-led uh, the Ogilvy Group in South Africa as the COO. I'd been uh, the managing director previously of Ogilvy Cape Town, uh, Ogilvy Group, for a long time. Um, so a lot of people knew me, had worked with me over, look, I've been in the industry now 27 years. I started this company in South Africa six years ago. So I've been in the industry 21 years. Mm-hmm. Uh, in that time, you have an ability to, to, to build a, a reputation as either being, um, uh, as I say, don't be a Dursby lecker. <laughs> or saw me more, more lecker than as a Durs. <laughs> <laughs> Congratulations. <laughs> so, so being able to build a reputation for, for um, helping people build their careers, yeah. build their brands, build yeah. their companies. Mm-hmm. Um, and that has always been my sole focus. My orientation in life fundamentally is in life you get because of what you give, not because of what you take. Mm-hmm. Um, and so being able to help people build their careers, and I have helped many, many, hundreds, thousands possibly mm-hmm. over the 27-year career, build their careers, build their reputations, uh, build their skills, um, and many clients build their brands, uh, sustainably build their brands. And I think that that kind of... Uh, uh, comes back and uh, and rewards you. Yeah, yeah, that's really great advice. Thanks for that, Mike. Um, I want to pick up something that you that you wrote on your blog, where you were describing how, as a startup, you were just you know battling the credibility curve, trying to attract the right talent. We're obviously doing a great job at that, um, and you went into back to back pitches, and against all odds, you still landed the more major, well, major accounts like Edgar's and Medbank and so on. So yeah. I thought it might be a good point to talk about motivating and motivating your team. Because as a startup, you know, especially in tech startups, it's, it's fucking hard basically to keep motivated in the face of adversity when you're building MVPs and proof of concepts and so on and looking for investments and what have you. So you have to do a lot with very few resources. So is there a secret source in your view in terms of keeping highly pressurized teams motivated in the face of adversity? Yeah, I think there definitely is. Uh, the first thing is, that, um, you know, there's that great saying that, um, well, not a saying really, but an example of Napoleon wore the same coat as his troops. Mm-hmm. So he knew when they were cold and he knew when they were, when they were hot. Um, we don't have anybody in our company um, that is uh, Alex Ferguson standing on the side of a field with a whistle or shouting, chewing gum, stomping around. You're either on the field playing the game or you're out the stadium. It's as simple as that. So people are motivated when they see you in the trenches with them, when they know that when they get tackled, you get tackled, when you take the body blows along with them. So the partners and I are incredibly match fit and we play the game. So if you are feeling the pain in the business, um, it's very obvious that you need to paint the, paint the prize. They need to understand why you're doing it. And if you do win this piece of business, what's in it for them? So if you look at the, the considerable uh, growth pains that we've gone through um, in our Johannesburg agency over the last number of years, winning a lot of business, 
Um, and similarly in Cape Town, but Joburg, we've just moved into these uh, incredible new premises that we've built in Halton. And you look at that, and there's a physical manifestation of the blood, sweat, tears, and effort where people now have a remarkable workplace to go to. Mm. Um, as an agency, we have always wanted to pay uh, top dollar for our talent and mm. to actually pay ahead of the curve. So we never look at talent and say, what can we get away with? Mm. We always look at saying, what is this person worth and how do we meaningfully grow, uh, grow that for them uh, as and when we can? So when the agency has done well, people have done well. Yeah, that's true. And that's actually a rare thing to find because, I don't know, my experience in the South African market, that's a very rare thing for employers to adopt. What's this person worth? Whereas it's not about remuneration or providing remuneration based on a job title. Do you know what I mean? And that's a rare thing. It is rare. And we're also massively involved in the community. So at any point in time, we have... I don't know, probably five or six uh, upliftment projects running concurrently. Mm -hmm. So when we started the agency, uh, we wanted to be uh, very involved in helping those who need it most in South Africa. And uh, and so people understand our heart. Uh, it's, it's not just about the head. Okay. Um, so I wanted to chat. You mentioned blood, sweat, and tears, right? So obviously it was a massive collective effort by many talented individuals. But you realized your goal of being voted agency of the year within five years. When yeah. you reflect back on the journey, what stands out for you the most? Um, I think, obviously, um, coming in here with a distinctive model to say we are structured much more like an architectural practice, a law firm, an accounting firm, where there are a number of senior partners here all running their own practices, if you like. So be it uh, Jeremy Pafani, who runs Joburg, Jacques Berger, who founded the Joburg company uh, and heads uh, growth for our group, uh, Jason Harrison, who heads Cape Town, Robert Grace, Denise, many, many people. I don't want to leave anyone out. I shouldn't have mentioned anyone. <laughs> I'd also like to thank. Uh, <laughs> and me, mum. Uh, <laughs> So um, all of the partners that came in and joined along, along the way um, have been able to meaningfully build their practices, if you like. Um, and what we offer clients is a very high-touch model. And so um, I think that that is the stuff that has stood out for people, and that has been the word on the street, uh, because we've been incredibly successful, touch wood, to retain our clients the way we have. Um, and that is because when agencies pitch for business traditionally, you'll meet the senior executive in the pitch. And once you've landed the business, it will be juniorized. And then you'll get a whole lot of uh, newbies running around on the business. What we have in our business is that the partners run the business. So the senior people, the business directors are involved each and every day in running the business. Uh, and I think that that has consistently been the thing that has that has uh, that has uh, kind of made the difference, and then uh, astonishing things uh, where clients have come to us with brand new companies. So uh, Kim Reed approached us with uh, a, a little uh, company that he had acquired with Tiger Global called Take Two, mm -hmm. and we helped Kim um, rebrand that company uh, to TakeAlot.com. Mm -hmm. He had a very bold and big ambition in terms of creating South Africa's great e-tailer, 
Um, we were instrumental in partnering them with uh, Mr. Delivery, who was a small client of ours, because we phoned Mr. Delivery and he said to them, tell us, when those guys aren't delivering pizzas and uh, and burgers over um, lunch or supper, what do all your drivers do? And the guy said, well, they're quite quiet. And he said, well, not anymore. They're not going to be delivering sneakers and television sets and computers. And uh, and if you look at uh, the growth of takealot.com from startup to being, you know, kind of the dominant. Uh, well, it is the dominant by like a billion rand. Yeah. <laughs> and a brilliant company with brilliant leadership. Yeah. But, um, it's an ast- that's to me, we, me, one of the great moments of pride in our lives. Mm. Another seminal moment in our lives was for the first 18 months, we landed business, but, um, but small accounts. Uh, and then Heineken deciding to go with us in a very competitive pitch was a major turning point. Um, Again, seminal moments would have been being the David and Goliath story that you alluded to earlier with winning um, Edgar's when we were a minnow and we were up against three of South Africa's biggest agencies. Mm-hmm. Same with uh, with Nedbank. Mm-hmm. Uh, so those have all been really powerful, defining moments. Uh, and then obviously winning agency of the year, you know, um, as somebody said, in fact, Mary McLennan said to me, yeah, the one thing that you know is irrespective of whatever happens now, they can't take that away from you. <laughs> <laughs> It'll only be good stuff and clear skies ahead. But, but you know, it's a hard business. It's a hard business. And, uh, and the other thing is, you know, people that want to go into advertising, as I always say to them, the only glamour in advertising is the outside person's perception of the industry. Mm. It's hard work. Yeah, it is bloody hard work. As as a startup and entrepreneurship, I think, and I think from an environment perspective, advertising agencies, which I've got tons of experience in, is very similar to startups, which also have lots of experience in. So it's probably they're both melting pots. You know what I mean? From a go go go, got to make it happen. Go go go, etc. Cool. So um, I'm going to ask you three more questions, and then we'll round up. Um, cool. So. You're obviously you were CEO of MNC Sarch Australia, and you're also obviously now CEO, um, or at least a very heavy hitter in terms of the uh, MNC Sarch Able story here in South Africa. Yeah. What's interesting for me is the fact that we're in a pretty much flat economy, if not a depressed economy here. You yeah. were in a global recession over in Australia, yeah. But you're you're you somehow managed to successfully navigate the business through depressed economies, right? So, yeah. are there any um, pulls of wisdom you'd like to share with our viewers on how to pull that off? Yes. Uh, robust solutions. So um, the perfect time to start a business is in a downturned economy, actually, uh, because good times take care of themselves. So you get to to dig deep. Uh, you get to look at what people really want and what people really need, as opposed to just simply coming in opening shop and letting good times take care of themselves. Because when that thing turns, you find yourself wanting. Mm. When I took over running the Ogilvy Group in 2001, uh, around the dot bomb, I took over running the company at a time where it was perilous. Uh, And I joined the company when I I was uh, 23, 24 years old. I'd grown up with these people. I was at that time, I think, 31 or 32 and the first thing that I had to do was to reduce headcount from 240 people to 180 people. 
Wow. Just within the first uh, within the first two weeks of taking over running the company, and you've grown up with these guys, and you're Mikey, and they love you, and they know you, yeah, and all yeah. of a sudden you uh, you become the cleaner. Yeah. yeah. And I think that the thing about that, Matt, is to uh, you know come at the hour, as they say, and um, so look at how can you be most useful. Um, whatever business you're starting, because usefulness and an ability to help will be the thing that differentiates you from the other players. Uh, you know, bullshit can only take you so far. Um, so um, I'm very comfortable. As I said, I got to Australia uh, 2008, uh, new country, new company, global financial crisis. What do you do? What I realized very quickly is whether you're in Australia or you're whether in America or whether you are in South Africa, the body is the same. The heart is in the same place. The liver is in the same place. The kidneys are in the same place. You can see those clogs in the arteries very quickly. Mm -hmm. uh, and so you liberate yourself to do what makes the most sense in offering your clients the best possible solution mm -hmm. with the best possible team mm -hmm. and all else takes care of itself. Um, thanks, Mike. I think it goes without saying also that um, you mentioned you had to basically get rid of staff or at least do some kind of um, sort of workforce planning, which probably wasn't a very easy thing to do. Um, and on top of that, and more broadly, you've obviously made countless of decisions as a CEO um, that have been incredibly difficult. Um, but when you look back on all, on all of that, what has been the toughest decision that you have made in business and what did you learn from it? Um, a couple, a couple of, uh, very difficult decisions come to mind. Um, I think one was when I was running, um, uh, my former company, I had a, uh, a client who was a very respected brand in South Africa, but the, the people behaved appallingly, um, on the client side at the time. And I had a series of, 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 of engaged conversations around um, in order for a, a great relationship to, to, to prosper between a, a client and an agency, you need a partnership. You need mutual respect um, and, uh, and you need to collaborate because we are there to help the client grow their business. That's our sole focus. And, uh, and this, uh, this client was incredibly disrespectful to the people in the agency. Uh, treated them extremely poorly, uh, very much a fear-driven culture, and yet the company itself was a, a very respected brand. Mm -hmm. And um, I said to the, the uh, CMO, the marketing director, that if you people don't know how to, to treat us with respect and don't know how to behave nicely, then we can't go forward with this relationship. We simply can't. Uh, and this, uh, this lady's response was, who are you as a supplier to tell me how to behave? Um, and uh, and that was the end of the relationship. Yeah, I'm sure. And it was very sad because uh, from our side, it was really about. Um, it was a moment, you know. People are often provided with moments to 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 be introspective and to look and to see how can I change, how can I be a better person, how can I contribute more to the world. And that was a moment that this uh, that this individual um, uh, missed with uh, with great uh, with great uh, talent. Um, and, um, so I look back on that now and I often think about it because I wouldn't do it any differently, mm. but it was a big decision to say, you're going to lose a lot of revenue here mm. and people may lose jobs as a result, but fortunately they didn't, uh, because we managed to pick up other business. 
But um, as I say, you know, principle isn't a principle until it costs you money. You know, (laughs) the other other very brave decision that uh, I reflect on is going up to Johannesburg because I knew we needed to be in Joburg. Mm. Found premises in Joburg and kitted them out and branded them and signed a lease and then flew back to Cape Town. Uh, (laughs) Boom. Exactly right. And, uh, you know, I can imagine what the PLC in London must have been thinking. <laughs> and, and full credit to them for, 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 for never, ever turning around and saying, are you crazy? Uh, but flying up every few weeks to Joburg, unlocking the door, hosting meetings in the agency, pitching in the agency and saying, if you give us the business, this will be your agency. You know, they knew we'd all come up from, uh, from Cape Town. It wasn't Renter Crowd. Mm-hmm. Um, they knew we'd be locking the door and flying back, but they, they knew that, uh, that if they trusted us, we'd hire a similar team in Joburg, uh, which we did. But those are the kind of things that you do that are, that are ballsy and brave, but, uh, but considered. Yeah. So don't ever believe, you know, as I say, um, what act in haste, uh, repent at leisure. So I don't ever, I don't ever believe in acting in haste. So I will, I will think things through. Mm. Uh, um, and I'm a circular guy. I'm low on ego. Uh, so, uh, you know, if, if I need to take it on the chin and hear something that's uncomfortable, I will. Yeah. So we don't, we don't operate, we don't shoot from the hip. We take considered decisions, even if they're very tough ones. Mm, yeah. Thanks, Mike. Listen, last question for you. I know we're running out of time. <clears throat> um, I always ask this question to successful entrepreneurs. Uh, so here's the question for you. What's your why as an entrepreneur and why do you get out of bed in the morning? Uh, beyond meaning and purpose, I'm very lucky to have stumbled into a career that I love. Um, There is never a day that I don't want to come into the agency. So I don't ever think, um, oh, uh, yeah, can't I rather just, uh, you know, take a day off or do something else. I love what I do. I get hugely excited about big ideas. I love the creative process. I love creative work. I love problem solving. Um, I love working with people and helping them grow their businesses and helping them grow their careers. So I'm incredibly blessed, I guess, hashtag blessed, to have found, <laughs> to have found a career that, uh, that excites me, Matt. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, love what, I, love what you do. I mean, you've got one frigging laugh. You know, try and find that thing that really makes it meaningful and that really turns you on. Uh, and the other thing is, uh, is I'm very lucky to have uh, a wonderful family, uh, you know, wonderful wife, three gorgeous children uh, that, uh, that challenge me each and every day. Uh, and I have a very healthy work-life balance. So when I started my career, I did look around me and I saw a lot of people who um, had sacrificed their lives for advertising, their personal lives, their private lives. Uh, and so uh, I am a PE boy. Uh, born yeah. in, and and I do think of myself as a PE boy living in Cape Town, <laughs> where I spend a ton of time as well. But um, but it's about keeping it real, understanding who you are, and doing what makes you happy. You know, it was Oscar Wilde, and I love this quote. He said, "You might as well be yourself because everyone else is already taken." And 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 if you are yourself, if you choose to do stuff that works for you uh, deeply. You will find stuff that uh, that guides you along a path of fulfillment. 
Awesome, Mike. Well, look, um, that concludes our interview. Hashtag awesome interview. <laughs> Hashtag you're cool. <laughs> cool. Um, yeah, Great. so thanks so much for your time again today. It's been really fantastic to explore your journey in the Saatchi and Able history um, and wishing you all the best for the, for the coming year and the, for the future as well. Great. Thank you very much, Matt. Lekker to chat to you. Okay, okay awesome, pal, and uh, enjoy the rest of your day. Thank you. Take ciao. care. Ciao, ciao. Awesome. Remember that the show is now on iTunes, so please head on over and either write us a review or subscribe for new episodes. And if you'd like to be an exclusive real-time participant on our next Digital Kung Fu live show, then visit our website at digitalkungfu.co.za forward slash live to get early bird VIP access. Thanks for listening to the Digital Kung Fu Show. If you'd like to check out more episodes and get access to our growing community of entrepreneurs working together to succeed in business, then please visit our website at www.digitalkungfu.co.za. Ever wanted to become a best-selling author? Well, I'm in the influence business and I work with business owners and CEOs and business leaders to help them scale their influence. And we do this as a team by helping you to become a best-selling author, sought-after speaker and industry influencer in only 30 days. My team and I have developed a system that delivers a best-selling book and a launch campaign 300% faster and 50% less cost than anyone else in North America. This system is incredibly efficient. One of my clients Haiku went from a 2% share of voice globally to an 11% share of voice globally in only seven days. If you'd like more information, head on over to showworksmedia.com for more. That is showworks with an X.com.